Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Carrie Adloyd. And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created The The Weirdos Weirdos Book Club. Join us! A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd love to be in a real book club but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you? Join us. Check out our Instagram at Sarah and Carriad's Weirdos Book Club for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along and share your opinions. Or just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank, Thank you for reading with us. We, we like reading with you. This week's book guest is YN by Esther Yee. What's it about? YN is a ludicrous and beautiful dive into fanhood and reality. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, the line between real life and fan fiction is crossed so many times, reading this book is like putting your brain through a tumble dryer. In this episode, we discuss Robbie Williams, Worlds Apart, Chandler, The Penis, Sophocles, BTS, and Boiled Eggs. Just to say, we recorded this episode before the sudden and very sad death of the actor and writer Matthew Perry. I talk about him a lot in this episode as I was a really big fan and this book is all about those people we don't know but love very much from afar. We hope you enjoy it. This week's book guest is Y slash N? Yes. No. YN, yes. YN. You said yes and I was like no. Yes, no. no. Yes, mm. no. Why is by Esther Yee? Right, this was suggested to us by a listener. This is our first listener recommendation. Yes. Really exciting. Someone wrote, a li- wrote in. <laughs> Someone wrote in by scroll. Yeah. And um, so we, our very first episode was I'm a Fan by Sheena Patel. Yeah. And the listener said, I'd be really interested what mm. you both thought of YN. Yeah. So we are also dealing with fandom yes. in this book. This is very, yeah, it's in the same... You could put it on your shelf next to I'm a fan, even though they're both very different, but they are both definitely about extreme fandom. So this has made me realise I'm now into fandom oh. as a form of romance and love. Wow. And I've now got a textbook about fans. See, okay. Like studies. Okay. This is really interesting to me. I wanted to know what you thought of this book because I didn't warm to it straight away. And I am yeah. not someone who was ever a fan of a boy band. Right. Never. Okay. I'll give you the... Here's the history. New Please. Kids on the Block. Yeah, classic. I mean, how old have you been? Nine? I'm about eight, nine. Yep. The whole class does hang in turf. We're all moving our arms. And I think, wow, this is amazing. Everyone knows this dance move. Wow, we're all part of something. And then I so think... So it was the spirit of togetherness that got uh, yeah, you into New Kids on the like, Block. It wasn't because Joey McIntyre had dreamy eyes. No, obviously I chose John because no one liked him. <laughs> Everyone liked Joey. So I was like, yes. well, I'm not having Joey. Gross. I like John. And people go, John, I'd be like, John, yeah. John's like a man. Yeah, he's Harriet. an odd man. He's a man. Look at my taste in men. It all makes sense. Oh, God. Right. So he's yeah. a tall, dark, odd man. Yep. Yeah. Boom. And so Nukas on Block. And then I think either Take That came next or another boy band mm. at that time. And I, at nine, thought, I can't believe they think I'm that stupid that they're just going to put another group of men in front of me. And, I, and I'm just supposed to immediately like them. Oh, 
excuse me, fuck you all. And I was done with boy bands. Because I thought, this is ridiculous. You felt patronised. I felt patronised. By the industry yes. that was marketed towards you. I realised that New Kids it. on the Block weren't a band of friends that genuinely liked each other. And now I like them. I realised, oh, they just put different groups of people together boys and then they go look at this new one as if I'd forget that I liked those other people you know people. who you'd have got on with my dad <laughs> my dad the jazz musician turning the radio off I like jazz it's, it's all manufactured I like it's jazz it's all manufactured yeah, Sarah I, and when Spice they don't Girls, even play their own instruments Sarah when Spice Girls came along I was like I can't what I'm just supposed to because well, you I, saw through Spice Girls as well yes it's just a female boy band you said uh, excuse me at that point Pet Shop Boys released an absolutely brilliant track called, brilliant track called Say La Vida A I had that on tape and I used to have to argue with my friends to let stop playing Spice Girls track so we could listen to the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I. When is a film going to be made of your life? <laughs> Never, because it's very, very irritating. No, it's like Little Man Tate. <laughs> it's like it's like that. But I. No one I, wants to go to your birthday party because no, no. it's the Pet Shop Boys DJing. Hey, that's a fucking cool birthday party. So I never really liked boy bands. I was never really into them. So you, but you saw through them. That's that's what's interesting is that rather than them pressing your buttons, yeah. you could see that your buttons. They were trying to. T- t- I felt to press pressured. Your buttons. I was like, oh, they, they really want me to like one of them, and then I'm supposed to know everything about them. But I only just learned all this stuff about new kids on the block, and now I'm supposed to just forget all this stuff. This is stressful. Like, I wasn't enjoying it at all. And then it was so like, which one are you? And I was like, I'm none of these people. I know I'm none of these people. And I know that the, I'll never meet this person. Hey, then friends came along and Chandler churned up in my life. And uh, that was... You were churned so, up by Chandler. Oh, my God. But I was much more of a, like, actors. And also, got me more friends than wasn't music. existing so that teenage girls would have posters of Chandler. Exactly. No, but I did. But you did. But So you just picked him for yourself. So just, so just in terms of this period... But you are a boy band sp- fan, is what I'm trying to say. Smash hits, stickers... All of the other boy bands that were existing, you were never even, like, one song, one okay, album? I did, like, Worlds Apart. Okay. <laughs> because okay. no one knew who them who they were. So I enjoyed <laughs> they that. Were the, they were the John of all of the <laughs> they bands. Were, they were the um, David Foster Wallace <laughs> boy band. And there was one man who had long hair in there who I actually thought was quite fit. But they also made them look like such little boys. Well, that was the point. And I didn't they, like they were, were desexualised men. Yeah, I was after a man. They were, they were eunuchs for us to yeah. project sexuality onto without yeah. any actual sex happening. Yeah, I, I, no, it's not like I wasn't like oh, I was hanging around the pub looking for a real man. I just oh, I even the fact that you like long-haired men yeah. as a child, I find wasn't really a worrying. Child. Worlds apart were more teenage years. Teenagers are children. I liked well, worlds apart because yeah. yeah, no one knew them. But I, I mean, I was listening to. Look, I'm sorry. Call me a twat. I was listening to Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell. No, no, then. you're not a twat. You're that's very it's achingly cool. I don't is think what it's they cool. say. It it's is, lonely. of course, it is. It's lonely. Because you wanted music that spoke to you, and, and I wanted sad music. Everyone thinks that's well-made music, Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Or was it sadness? Oh, yeah, I wanted stuff that spoke to my. Boyzone had some songs where they sat down on stools, Carriad. That's my history of boy bands. Let's go into yours because I know that yours is very transformative and significant. Well, this book made me think a lot about it. Yes, because you were a huge fan of a particular band. A huge fan of a particular band. And I did leave reality. Mm. When I was 12 or 13, I met E17, which I actually think is really... My first concert was E17. I tried to do stand-up about it, but it didn't work. But I think it was really integral to me realising anyone could make it. Yeah. Because I went to the Ilford Island. I said no offence to you, 17. No, I don't offend him. I'm take that till I die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who eats a potato and runs himself over? <laughs> He's 17. So 
Is that, can we say that? Yeah, everyone that's su- true. Everyone survived, everyone. apart from the potato. <laughs> so here's the thing. A girl at school, I yeah. won't name her for privacy reasons, and she's got a very uh, unusual name. Her uncle managed a band called E17. Right. And so we got to go to the Ilford Island, and it was the first concert I'd ever been to. But also, we got to go backstage. And we were schoolgirls. Wow. And they were... We were their, you know, audience, yeah. in inverted commas, and they drank Fosters and they had BO. <laughs> and they were, you know, normal person height and shape, yeah. and they hadn't been that good at singing or dancing. <laughs> and they then became so f- successful. Yeah, huge. And Baby, it, it, have you got to go Oh, that, that's one of the best Christmas songs ever, it, that actually. That is their one really good track, let's be oh, fair. Oh, the, the, I think... Oh, Steam? Steam's not bad. Which I sing to my husband, Steam, all the time, because <laughs> I know all of the words to the rap. Steam! There's yeah. no need to be afraid. It's that yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Rise to the top, never stop, drop like cream. You bring the body and I'll bring the steam. <laughs> <laughs> sing it to my husband a lot. He doesn't know who E17 are. I think he thinks I made that song up. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Hold my body tight. It's a great album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... We had a family holiday with my cousins and, um, yeah, we played it a lot in France. <laughs> so I remember thinking maybe I, I don't, obviously don't hate E17. No, they um, were they were still formative, but for you it was Take That who came it was and take that, swallowed your heart. And it, was, and it was a projection onto Take That and nowhere near this the absurd level, level yes. and the poetic level that's taken to in YN. Mm-hmm. But what I did was make up stories in my head that felt real to me about being friends with them, yeah. about how I understood them, about how I saw things in them that other people, other fans yeah. didn't see. I really thought that I understood Robbie Williams' sadness <laughs> before he left. And the reason was... I, <laughs> I know, it's just, it's just so funny now, because now we see Robbie Williams doing his adverts for cat food. It's just very well, funny. Happy people don't do that. Yeah, okay? true, true, true. So, so true. the revelation I had really, really early, and I think it was incredibly wise of me at the time, because it's true, and it's something now when I have very successful friends. Um, if you don't feel worthy of love, and you have a stadium full of people who yes. shouting that they love you, yeah. and they don't know you, it's dig discombobulating yes it's not flattering and it's why it doesn't make sense to people outside of it why is that person not happy they could have any woman they want they can go anywhere in the world they're rich and they're working with their friends i could understand why being in take that made (laughs) robbie williams miserable and you still you still feel that right you still feel no i actually have recently grown out of the wanting to be friends with them because ashton did that film with them oh yes and that helped us helped you Yes, helped us. Yeah, I've been kind. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was like uh, it was like the last bit of therapy where they put yeah. a spider on your arm. <laughs> she told me some stuff Mark Owen said to her, and it was like, "All oh, right, okay." Yeah, you could, and you're you're and, so, Howard, and Howard's Twitter stuff come out yeah, as well, and you're so far removed from that teenage self. I think yes. also when you become a parent as well, like your child self takes another step back. No, the fantasy had lived up oh, to... No. okay. Uh, up until Ashley did <laughs> oh, the film. Okay. Where I still film. thought me and Gary were going to write a musical together. I still don't doubt that happening. Well, because, because Jason Manford's writing a musical with him. Yeah. And so it's that Kevin Bacon thing. You go, I'm not six degrees away no, from Take no, That anymore. Be crazy. I'm one degree away. Yeah. And you were so obsessed with him as a, as a child and teenager. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted them to come to Rumford, break down in a limo, near my house... I'll take them inside, make them beans on toast and say to them, you need to get back in touch with the real world, boys. <laughs> so that was it. So this is before fan fiction. And obviously something that goes on yeah. in my end is writing a story where you put them in. What I really understood like with the obsession of this thing of like, 
it was bigger than sex. Sex wouldn't yeah, be enough. Yeah. You wanted to engulf with someone. I wanted to be their best friend. Yeah, more than. I so, wanted to get in a bath. All of us just in a normal house's bath. It's a big bath. No, it's not. It's a normal. That's the whole point. Is that we're squashed. <laughs> the whole point is we're all shoved in there. It's not a jacuzzi. Oh, it's a normal bath. I don't. I mean, Gary would be all right. Mark would be fine. Howard's tall. His legs are sticking it, out. Everyone's bits are sticking out. The point was we're washing together. We're a gang. <laughs> We should say this book, YN, doesn't stand for yes, no. It stands for your name, which is a type of fan fiction she references and is about a character who's unnamed, who is obsessed with uh, a K-pop band. She's very disinterested and then she's taken to a concert (laughs) and then the fascination starts in particular Uh, with one. And they're called The Boys. The Pack of Boys, yeah. And the one she's obsessed with is called Moon, but there's also Jupiter, Venus, Sun and Mercury. And they are, um, I mean... The thing I will say about the boy band that she's obsessed with, they're not your typical British boy band. The depth of feeling of what they're writing about is extremely intellectual. Do you never hear any Westlife? <laughs> you should yes, have heard Worlds yeah, Apart. It's, it's philosophical. It's very philosophical. It's existential. Which apparently is a bit of a reference. Someone said that I don't, I'm not, I'm not aware of BTS, but obviously I know who they are, but I know that people are obsessed mm. with them. BTS's fourth album, Map of the Soul, was based on Jungian psychoanalysis. Wow. So perhaps this is a K-pop thing that we're not familiar with. Yeah. But like she becomes obsessed with this That's boy. That's a lot like Edinburgh shows, isn't it? Yeah. And your fourth one is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, this one's deep. It's not yeah. just dead dad. I, yeah. really Nothing deep. happened this year, so I had to do some reading. <laughs> She's obsessed with Moon. She's living in Berlin. She sees them at a concert and feels like this Moon is not only... She sees his neck. His neck all the way down. to her. Yes, and it sort of is connected to her penis. In his some penis. Of the most, yeah, his penis not in some penis. of the most beautiful writing. He's a dancer. The way he holds himself, everything about her makes her feel like... And she says something, I think this is about the boyfriend she has at the time, but the way she describes is, I, she wants him to lie on top of her. I became nothing, just a scale for his weight. Yeah. So she's looking for obliteration, She is looking I would for say. obliteration. It's not, you said it's not, oh, I want to be married to this person. She wants to literally live in Moon. At one point she's given an x-ray of his insides and yes. she says, why did That's I not have this? That's the best picture she's yeah. had of him. Yeah, why was this not posted and, on my wall? And, and in the fan fiction, and this is, this is why I referenced the bath, Yes. Quite a lot of it is about giving birth to Moon. Yes, being his mother and his yes. sister and, and giving birth to him, and adopting the way, him. And the way that people talk about this kind of love is um, being jealous of people who haven't met them yet because they have yeah. that to look forward to yes. or wishing that they could have met, known of him before he was even born, yes. like in pre-existence. The absence of people and absence of information about people is written about in exactly the same way as actual information. Yeah, in this book this is because it's constantly it starts off being like here's a fan here's some fan fiction and then it blurs yeah she sort of starts writing fan fiction for a fan fiction website but then it starts flicking between reality and the fan fiction so you're sort of sometimes following her fan fiction story where she's moon's adopted mother who's living with him and then you're having to cut back to she's in germany she's breaking up with her boyfriend because she like he's like you're too obsessed basically with Moon. He's he's very carryad. He's very cynical Masterson, about boy bands. Yeah. Yes, I mean he's, he's also an absolute arsehole. To yes. be fair, another reason you were like. I so, mean, um, he says, I think what you mean is because she's telling him about her love. Yeah, you know about the spiritual companionship that she desires from him and that he understands. Um, Moon, the person she doesn't know, um, and that's that, I think that's the crux. That's what really spoke to me about this book mm. loving someone when you know you don't know them yeah and what is more real 
the feelings that are real yeah or people keep telling you that's not reality I am someone who's I want to embed myself in reality. Yes. Like I I live for finding the realest, truthfulest thing mm. possible. And that's yeah. why boy bands are difficult for me because yeah. everything it's asking is fantasy. And I am I am looking to bury myself in reality. This I'm, I'm gonna be this quote but it reminds me of computer games and people who start yes. to believe computer yes. games. Yeah, yeah. A complete yeah, a because it becomes space. realer to you. You're playing the Sims and you feel about that family. Mm. Things anyway. So this is what Marston says. And this is the cynical view of, I guess, the manipulation of boy bands. I think what you mean is that he designs his lyrical content and sexual appeal with the specific intent of exploiting the most basic of human emotions, like loneliness or the desire for unconditional love, and then derives massive profit from his vampirism. So what you felt as a teenager about boy bands, that is what they're designed to do. Yes, absolutely. It's a product to make you spend money. Yeah to make you feel connected or grown up or yeah. practicing romantic feelings for people you don't know, but they're tricking you into thinking, yeah, you do. But we should say it's written in a very unique way. Yeah. How I, would you describe the writing? Odd. Odd. Yeah. <laughs> I found it really hard to get into. Yeah. I found because I don't think it's almost, you know, that joke about Dawson's Creek where people be like, that's not how teenagers speak. Imagine that, but they've swallowed a lot more textbooks. Because this is a conversation her and Masterson. He says... You're talking about him as if you know him, he said carefully. Normal sentence. I do know him. The person I don't know is you. Am I supposed to take this seriously? I'm never not serious. I have no idea who you are. But you know Moon. How conveniently hard to prove. Like, the dialogue... That's what I mean about the negative and positive. Yeah, it's a very discombobulating way of writing because it, it, it isn't how people speak at all. And actually, I read, as ever, I did my little research mm. and I read interviews with her written down and she writes like this and I listen to an interview and she doesn't speak like this. So it's a very um, constructed way of talking. Yes. Like, I feel like it's a deliberate I, choice from the author. I thought it was sort of poetic absurdism. Yes. Or yeah, yeah. poetic surrealism. You know exactly what she's describing, but you've never heard it ever described like that before. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant writing. So it's this just is her, jarring. This jarring. is her walking out of a stadium. It's dark. She smashes a mosquito against her ear, irritated by the woeful soundtrack of its hysterical survival. <laughs> I mean, she, again, she said, this is our, our protagonist. Um someone is trying to talk to her says how are you and she doesn't she says nothing makes me want to end a conversation faster than the words oh that reminds me of the time i did not want to be remind remind anyone of anything i did not like to be related to that's so teenage and again and again again, yeah unexisting yourself wanting to be absolutely dream unexisting yourself it's not like oh i'm here and my life's boring i loved so much she sits next to a guy on the tube and he's reading a book um, called How to Be a CEO, which is how she knows he's not a CEO yeah. and then she hates that she knows something about him. But all she knows is something that he's not. This yeah. is what I mean about the positive negative. Yes. Sometimes not being a thing or not knowing a thing is the only evidence. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com
we've had this with books before. I had a real, real big gear shift in my head of like, mm. okay, this book is is surreal. It's not trustworthy. Like things are not what they seem. She suddenly goes to um, Korea, Seoul, to find yeah. Moon. Um, and there's no kind of like uh, how does she afford it what happens to her life she just goes and and she goes because a stranger says if you really loved him you'd try and find him yeah so she's like oh you're right of course what am I doing in Berlin it doesn't feel like a very fleshed out character who wants to go for themselves it's it's Alice in Wonderland she falls into that situation Mm. almost rather than like oh I'm following the the challenges of this character and it's a very we should say again it's a short book and I think that's why it copes with the level of strangeness it's asking you. I actually really enjoyed it much more when she gets to Korea and it feels like the surrealness, everybody's joining in the surrealness. Right, so okay. her friend, O, mm. who becomes her well, psychic. Who's she, she's on, this is why, so she's on a moped with O. Let me just read this sentence, oh, yeah, can okay. I? Because yeah, yeah. this is the kind of sentence that I sort of had to read 14 times. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because it's so, makes me feel so giddy. The headlights on the opposite side of the road grew in intensity, but just when they seemed impossible to endure with the boiled eggs of my eyes, they abruptly disappeared. The lights repeated this process of total existence and total non-existence. So we've all been in a car or on a (laughs) moped or on a bicycle and seen lights appearing and disappearing, but suddenly we've got boiled eggs of eyes and its existence and non-existence. Yeah, I mean, the writing is incredible writing. It, like, pushes, yeah. it pushes meaning yeah. right to the edge, which is why I think it's poetic. And yeah, 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 I agree with you. Again, it's just that thing of like, I found it, I just found it hard sometimes to sit with it. Because again, I think I was looking for meaning. I find surrealism in writing, I guess maybe I do find it hard. I do find it hard. And and again, because it's, set, you know, we're beginning this boy band mm. fantasy, which is, yeah, something I, I don't particularly relate to. And then she's following, and, and we. this is a spoiler, so just prepare. Yeah. She, her friend O, who I wanted to say, she meets O because O comes up to her and says, I make shoes, you're wearing the shoes I make. Yeah. I've been searching my whole life for someone wearing these shoes. Mm-hmm. That's how they become friends. And then follows her because she wants to see what happens to her shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, is brilliant. Um, and then there's a... They do mi- sheet masks at the cinema. They do sheet masks at the cinema and they wear them on a moped until they dry and crumble into their face. And they have tiny little mouths <laughs> that are open underneath their sheet the masks. The sheet mask was brilliantly described. That yes. was really good to describe. Yeah. Um, Moon is suddenly announced that he's leaving the band and no one quite is understanding what's and happening. And then he's going to be deleted from the world. Yeah. Well, they suspect the fans are worried and she meets other super fans who she also hates. She hates the other super fans because how can they love something? How can they have what she has? Like if her love is so unique and special, how can they have the Which is how says? fans feel. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you. How, so like, on, on her YN website... When they say the most written about person is Moon, mm. there's something very difficult for her to absorb then because it makes her quotidian. It makes yeah. her exactly like everyone else. He yeah. is a character and she has to reframe it. I think there's a sense of camaraderie with people who could follow bands around. Yeah. But also a sense that, yeah, no one understands them how you understand them because it's a thing you've made up. Well, and the communication between the two of you. There's def- that brilliant bit where she meets that man who is with a couple who are so into Moon, they just say the word Moon to each other over and over again. And occasionally one of them accidentally says moron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it sounds like that. Yeah, because they're saying Moon, 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 Moon. Did I tell you this? So I have a very powerful memory of when Robbie Williams left Take That and me and my sister didn't go to school. We didn't have to. We were threatening suicide. And we went to the big breakfast every day to see Robbie Williams, which meant we got up at like four or five, we bunked the train, we waited outside 
Big Breakfast, and he would come out in breaks and they would film the, the girls screaming, et cetera, et cetera. I remember staring at the back of his head, mm-hmm. willing him to turn and look at me uh, very powerfully. And sometimes he did. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a glass, glance across a group yeah. of people. And then he was doing a thing where he was snogging some people from the crowd. And we'd accidentally told them our real ages. because <laughs> They pretended it was a quiz competition. Yeah. So we'd said that, I mean, I'd said that I was 14 and Cheryl had admitted being 12. So we didn't get snogged. And looking back, good on him, good on him. Um, <laughs> well done, but, Channel 4. But, but when I did Rod Gilbert's Growing Pains, mm. they found footage of me staring at the back of Robbie oh, Williams. Oh, my God. And um, I don't remember the clothes I was wearing. Like Everything about myself is unrecognisable except looking at my 14-year-old self and going, I have never been so powerful. Wow. Whatever I felt inside, you know, like Matilda moving the pencil yeah, with her eyes. Yeah. It was that. It was a, such a strength of feeling. I don't feel that for my husband. <laughs> He's not in the kitchen making scrambled eggs and me going, turn around, love me back, around. love me back or I'll die. The only thing I can relate to... Which, but it's so weird. So I was obsessed with Chandler and I had on my folder a huge picture of him in a swimming pool mm. from probably just 17 that I'd cut out. He's like half in the swimming pool, half out in a suit. Very funny, very funny. He's dressed yeah. in a swimming pool. And I would be in D&T food. That's was one of my GCSEs. And I would stare at the door, willing Chandler to come into this classroom yes. and say, you don't have to be here. Your life is better See, than this. See, that's the same thing. So that's what it is. But, it's just the oh, I wasn't in front of Chandler. Like, I knew it was complete fantasy. I, For me, at that point, not, not really properly existing, not properly being seen, not properly wanting to be seen, thinking I was so ugly. Mm. The idea of Robbie Williams' eyes seeing the outline of me, it wasn't like I thought he was going to recognise a kindred spirit, but I thought I will start existing when he notices me. Yeah, even, yeah, even if it's passing similar. for a second. And I yeah. do also think that part of my lack of boy band was fear, that I was too young for it, that I was like, no, thank you. Even the projection of this is a bit scary. And it wasn't until mm. I was like 14, 15 that I found Chandler and I was like, oh, now, now a boy, I'm ready for a boy to notice me. But that's definitely what I wanted. I wanted Chandler to come in and say, Chandler was still let me rescue really non-sexual. And funny, that was my big thing, yeah. was that he was funny and we would be Robbie funny together. Robbie was really funny. We, we like the Jokers. <laughs> we like the Jokers. That was my obsession yeah. was definitely that... He was funny in his group, but not attractive. Mm. And that's how I felt. It was like, I'm not attractive, but I can be funny and we will be funny together. And he'll be like, hey, you're funny. You you don't have to make this soup and write down how it would be sold <laughs> in a cafe and budget. Thank you, Chandler. Yes. So the escapism, this yes. is, these are the themes that I think are very true of fandom, wherever you find the person. Mm. It's, it's a lot to do with yourself and what you think you're yeah, lacking. Yeah, yeah, it's what, it's what they see in you, which is reassuring or builds you up in some way and escaping from a situation where you're currently unhappy. I don't think you exist as a super fan or an obsessive fan when life is satisfying. No, I, you, I don't think you can. I think it, it's something is not nourishing you. So mm. you're searching for food somewhere else. Yeah. She wrote something which just really stuck with me. So when she, retur- she returns home, maybe this is part of the fan fiction. Um, it is. When she returns home, she realises that the third person she'd sense in their apartment is the star that Moon is poised to become. Every human body is capable of producing a spirit that lingers apart from it. But whether that spirit is truer or falser than the body, she has no answer. Mm. So for certain bits, I was like, wow, it, it it is really asking some huge questions about celebrity and a lot of people, the stuff I read on the internet, but we're talking about parasocial relationships. 
But I what is a parasocial when you someone on the internet you think you know because you follow them on Instagram all the time and like so oh, you're like I oh see. I know that's we're the same like they get me they're my friend because okay, I follow that's them because I saw a, a cartoon the other day I didn't understand the joke and it was a man on one knee with a skull at saying alas poor Yorick I knew him parasocially. <laughs> Oh, that's really, good. Yeah, and I was just like, I need to find out what that word means because I think that's a really probably. I think funny. it's very, it's very recent and it's very coming to parasocial, parasocial relationships. Mm. So it's the idea that a fan, especially now, so what people are saying is like now, you can have such closeness with a celebrity or not even a celebrity, an influencer, a mum who mm. shares her children and life on on the internet that you think, oh, we're definitely friends. And I would argue that that's always been the case. Like you going to the big breakfast mm. like I think it's the internet gives a different access but there was always an access you yeah. know the, the I girls think the wanting... amount of material we get now because my materials yes you can were, get more take that videos and then the extras on take that videos and yeah. then if they did appear on a tv show video in it yeah so it was yeah I mean you didn't have Instagram it, live at that house was, it, yeah and and so the information you had was also then so easy to control and limit Mark's so does that an cause, iguana yeah like but does that cause more fans because there's more material? So she, oh, no, she yes, the gaps. That's why I think you're projecting onto space. Yeah. But this character is like watching basically an Instagram live mm. where he just eats food. And then there's one where his bandmate eats his fingernail cuticles yeah. because he wants to consume him. That I found difficult. Do you know what I mean? So like what, in terms of fandom, has it always been this way? Have teenage girls always had this power? Or has the internet changed it and now we have these parasocial relationships that... Like, like, imagine what you, 14-year-old you, would yeah, have done with... I guess I don't know, because I don't know any 14-year-old girls. I don't know any, any fans in real life, mm. anyone who is having an intense relationship with a public figure. I wonder if sometimes, in some ways, because there's such a deluge of people, it, maybe it's really filtered down. Mm. It's much more like, yeah, I like them. I like that one song they did. Well, BTS have definitely surpassed that. So K-pop seems to be doing it. But does, is British? I mean, I guess is that what happened with One Direction? Yeah. I'm just too old to know about we're it. Too old to know, aren't we? Yeah. Well, people did get yeah. Same with One Direction. I think they were probably the last big take that style band mm. from Britain. Maybe, but God, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Obviously, K-pop has a swathe of girl and boy bands. Yes. Um, that people are obsessed with mm. and are hugely globally successful. And it's and they're very manufactured, aren't they? Sort of like living well, in houses and yeah. Some people would and... say they are, but obviously other people, you know, they they do produce good music and it's very successful. I just mean and... that they aren't. They're not allowed no. to have relationships. Yeah, so I'm sure yes. it's it's highly. I don't know enough about it. It I does really, seem highly. All of, everything I know is from true crime podcasts. So they're the real bad guys. <laughs> In the book, it says, after reading a Korean translation of Sophocles, the boy band, the boys, have become fixated on Oedipus Rex's decision to gouge his eyes out. Consequently, the album they're performing is a statement of protest against Oedipus's capitulation to darkness. And that's in the book, which obviously used to say... I would get back into boy bands if it was that kind of stuff. Well, that's... I think you'd like BTS. Um, I think there's a lot of that going on. I mean, I am going to have to do some research, aren't I? You would like their philosophical album. (laughs) This, for me, really summed up why fandom is a safer place mm. than real love yes. and the real risks. You've settled for a comfortable distance from him so that you can yearn without suffering. And then he's saying, sorry, but you're not in love, you're a fan, boring, lethargic, overfed. And this is the person who tells her to go to yeah. Korea. Like, if you really loved him, you'd be in Seoul right now. Um, 
that comfortable distance, yearning without suffering, there's something really enjoyable mm-hmm. to that kind of yearning when it will be without end and your imagination can keep coming up with more and more scenarios. And living in that emotion will feel really, really alive and vibrant and skinless and sad, mm. but enjoy- in an enjoyable way because it's not suffering, because it's not real rejection. Well, how did you feel about the second half of the book? Yes. Where there is, Moon is removed from the band. But there is a competition by lottery that you can go and yeah, ten Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Ten yeah. We've seen that plot before us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ten fans are gonna go to this pyramid plaza where they live. Mm. They are they live there, they write their songs there, no one else is allowed in. Oh, her friend enters but forces our character to go, says, I'm not going, you go. Mm. She goes there, she finds she speaks to the music professor, who's the the woman who is created yeah, orchestrating it orchestrating it yeah and then that woman tells her where moon is actually hiding and she mm. meets moon yes that for me was the really interesting part was it yeah because that was like reality because well, i was so overtaken by the dementia patients yes and the description of dementia. so we should say he's living in a care home yes a small three dementia home. Ho- dementia patients and dementia is described as people have become children again yeah and then it became even more like this level of like what is real what is yeah. reality when you have people who are yes, go- experiencing dementia yeah that moon became so much less important to me mm. and i guess that's why i love the narrative of this book this isn't girl sees boy in concert tracks boy down meets boy yeah it's something so much deeper about what is real and what is worth feeling and what is worth doing. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think I just found it hard to get into it. It felt mm. like it felt like I was reading behind five layers. Does that make sense? Of yeah. like it just felt like because the language was so heightened and poetic and the things that happened seemed so slippery that sometimes I was like oh, just what is happening? <laughs> like, what's going on? And then I found when she meets Moon and it's... And one she's in the same room with him, but she sort of runs away and is like, oh, I'd rather not meet you because then I'm going to have to face reality. And he kind of doesn't really get her want much to do with her. And there's another girl whose dad has dementia, who's in the home, who he's clearly having a massive thing with. Mm. Well, you sort of see them naked at the end, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and like they are really understanding each other. Like she says they're like staring at each other in that way that you just described. Like he can't take his eyes off her. She's got this, you know, long plait and she's in agony because her dad doesn't remember her. And like there's this weird tension between them. And I was like, oh, yeah, I find that interesting. Of Like the super mega fan arrives, wait, almost waiting for Jesus to be like teach me and it's like well Jesus is quite busy actually he's got a wife and he's <laughs> having, yeah. sorting this out and it's I guess I found that interesting of like the disappointment that she's kind of she kind of realises consuming him not knowing him being him eating him was what she was after not to actually meeting him earlier on in the book she oh. explains that what she desires more than anything is to be bored by him yes because, yes. because boredom is knowledge true love is boredom it's it's not the will yeah. they, won't they. It's yeah, not yeah. do you, don't you. It's not what am I showing you, what am I hiding. It's the point where you can relax and the person you love most in the world can walk into the room to get some bran flakes and they start talking and you're on your phone. <laughs> so she's looking for that. Is that what you feel? Yeah, because that's the only way to make this go away, yeah, the obsession. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying that that was explicitly there, but... No, no, I, but it's I, interesting. I hooked onto... She was never trying to get with him. That would have been disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would have been too much. No, it wasn't love. It's just interesting that when she finally is in the room with him, she doesn't even... That is not what, what she's seeking. And I think that's me not understanding super fandom. But what did you think of this description of the erection at the end? Oh, I can't remember that. 
Should we read it? Blanked it out of my mind. I just loved it because so the first thing the first thing she notices about him is his neck when she first sees him in oh, concert, yes, yeah. and then she just imagines his body all the way down to his penis, and it's just the most amazing way I've ever heard male anatomy described. Yes. And then finally, at the end, we actually see the penis. Oh yeah. And first of all, it's all sort of like curled up and hibernating really sweetly, and then oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I'll read a bit of what she's been looking because she says, I don't see the novel as a cautionary tale against anything. To be honest, it's simply documenting this one individual's attempt to perhaps experience something beyond the boundaries of her given conditions, beyond the boundaries of her human consciousness, which, of course, for any person is an extremely dangerous thing to embark on. Either you are sent over to the other side and possibly you never come back to reality. You never survive to tell the story or you come back and you're probably a little bit destroyed, to put it mildly. Hmm. I thought, oh, that's yeah. It's like if Alice could come back from the looking glass and be like, yeah. fucking hell, do you know what I've just seen? Yeah. It's any come down. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Any, it's any come down from any, you know, huge emotional or chemical or... I can't cope with disappointment, Sarah, so I yeah. don't allow myself to even get the highs. Uh, the penis began a steady expansion into itself. The tip unsheathing, its contours sharpening. What was once as soft as an eyelid. Am I embarrassing you, Carrie? Yeah, really, You're 41 years I'm old. Pre- Listen to the I'm penis. Pre- I'm really pretty Judy. As the penis rose straight into the air, it assumed the appearance of an ancient arrowhead. It cast a baleful gaze upon its surroundings as its master remained sunk in unconsciousness. How incredible. This is the whole point with surrealism or absurdism. It's seeing the world freshly. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, and it's, I've, I've seen so many dicks. and I've just some hummus? <laughs> Right, You've seen okay. so many dicks that I cut you off. I've, I've seen I've seen so many dicks that I've forgotten the magic. <laughs> you know, I'm not writing poems about them anymore. It's it's a, a really interesting book. It's really interesting. It's really fascinating. And actually, for people who did read, I'm a fan. I yes. think it's a really great second yes, book. Yes, I agree. It's like a follow. good um, a good pudding to the main of I'm a fan so yeah I'm a fan is a really incredible book yeah and that's your dinner and then someone comes in and plays the bagpipes really loud in your ear that's this book yes yeah Yeah. Um, you think you're getting pudding yeah 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 Yeah, but you've just had a clown throw a a, a gunge (laughs) pie in your face a penis that looks like an arrow's appear I've got a last line great I've got one I've got like a little bit too yeah oh okay you do yours then because I was just well mine's about reading which is why I chose it. Oh, okay. Well, I just like she said, um, she shut her eyes. It's just so much better in our head, she said. And then she went far, far away. Mm, and I was like, exactly. that's what this book is about. If you feel yes. it's better to live in your head. Yeah. And that there's no there's no superiority. There isn't a right way to no, live your no, life. No, um, I This is the, um, the music professor. Have you been reading as if your life depends on it? She liked to ask the boys. Have you been reading as if every single sentence could be true? Have you been reading until you feel sick on everything you know? That's what I'm asking to our listeners. <laughs> have you been reading like everything's true and it makes you feel sick? Yeah. Because we have. Yeah, that's the level of intensity of this book. It's really intense. It's really intense. It's really intense. It's very, very intense. But yeah, I, I'm so glad that the listener recommended it because I hadn't heard of it and I would never have picked it up and it, I yeah. found it really interesting. I'm now really into fans. You know that they did them like MRI scans and the parts of the brain that lit up for, it's like religious... Oh, fanaticism yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it was like mums looking at pictures of their babies wow it, the the love is real oh the, the love, love is, is real, real. And, and that's what this book does really well and we can have a whole other conversation about how that teenage girl fandom has been been patronized been minimized rather yeah. than recognized as a genuine yes. powerful love and and capitalized Whereas and monetized Sheena Patel was about loving someone who isn't worthy of it mm. but this is someone who's 
it does, who, that who, it doesn't even matter who the person is. The emotions are real. Yeah. So actually, the realness of the world falls to pieces. If you're affected by the breakup of Take That, we'd like to recommend YM by SCU. <laughs> or yeah. talking to Ashling, who made a film with them. <laughs> yeah, if you've been affected. And that film is great, and you should watch it. Thank you for listening to the Weirdos Book Club. Next week's book guest is Stillborn by Guadalupe Nettle. Sarah's fantastic novel, Weirdo, is available to buy now. And my book, You Are Not Alone, is also awesome. fantastic. Also fantastic. Available in the shop that sells books or sometimes other places. Internet. Yep. Thank you for reading, reading with us. us. We really like reading, reading with, with you. you.